Warning, this podcast features graphic content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society, and welcome to another episode of True Horror Stories. To the reviewer, she drives Z. I hope you're listening because this announcement is for you. I have a couple of notes I'd like you all to be aware of, if you don't mind. It's been quite a while since I've gone to look at reviews on Apple Podcasts, so I'll be doing some shout-outs for those, and since it would be a bit of a long list, I'm going to split it up. So if you don't hear yours called, it'll likely come next week. So I had a bit of an editing error in the week before last's episode with the volume, so I apologize for that. I had to rush that episode out, and clearly I missed something. So, my bad. So, upon looking through my Apple reviews, She Drives Z had left a low review and checked back later to see if things were fixed, and they had not been because I still had not seen the review yet. However, this episode I'm going to try to fix that. Um... They seem to have an issue with not being able to hear very well, even with turning the volume up very loud. Um, I'm going to try upping the general volume, so hopefully that helps being able to hear. I keep the volume levels bouncing in the yellow so that they don't clip, which is standard practices. Um, And I've yet to really have anybody else complain about not being able to hear so much for that reason, but um, I wanted to try this out. This should not affect the voice to music balance issue in the previous episode as it will be the overall volume Um, and so the music and voice should still stay balanced. But in case some of you others were having trouble with not being able to hear it play loud enough, I'm going to try this out. If for some reason there are audio issues in this episode in particular, if it's way too loud and distorting um, and clipping which is it going way above um, the max volume which will distort the sound Um, and you notice it feel free to shoot me an email to nightmaresocietyradio at gmail.com or um, send us a message over on Instagram now it's been a while since I've done this so here are some shout outs to the people who have been so very wonderful enough to head over to Apple Podcasts and take the time to leave us some stellar reviews. Um, some of you I may have called before, so if that's the case, enjoy the second round. I can't remember the last person that I shouted out to because it was so long ago. So, anyways, um, Mish or Mitch53083, Stew the Moo. Carletta E, Taffo22, who I think I recognize from our Patreon, Christine Taylor, A.K. Trini, Boo Hiss Infinity, I Love Nightmare Society Heart. Thank you so much for your kind review. That was uh, so very nice. We appreciate that. Uh, Kristen5929, Math Magician93, J Buns, Little Smoky77, Us Five Kisslings, Marie Flowers. Jason12744 and on call putts. Thank you guys so much for uh, leaving us a great review and we love you for that. 
as always thank you so much to our newest patreon member moontan which is a pretty cool username in my opinion and of course thank you to our contributors for tonight's stories user as bull mighty user the obsessives user cheesy lump user bad skeleton user disaster child and user taylor foran last but not least remember nightmare society is a weekly podcast we release every thursday and it's available pretty much on any kind of pod streamer you might possibly use if that pod streamer allows you to leave a review we would greatly appreciate it it helps us reach uh, other listeners also if you have a youtube which i know you do head over to our youtube subscribe like a video leave a comment something uh we'd greatly appreciate that as well now finally get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of the nightmare society guy from the UK. I live in a town in Wales, albeit not the little villages most people imagine. My town is a popular holiday destination along the coast of Wales. It started when I was around 15 years old, so about eight years ago. I was dating a girl from about two towns over. I would usually get the train to hers and back. However, this one night her family weren't supposed to be home and we were kind of being watched by her brother, who was about 19 to 20, and was pretty chill. The plan was to stay the night. We were up late playing on the Wii, but her parents unexpectedly came home. I never got along with her mother, and the whole thing kind of heated, and I was kicked out of the house and told I could not stay over. It was about 2 a.m., and I didn't want to call my own parents and worry of waking them up. My mother is a very strict woman, so I began the long trudge home. It was roughly about an hour and a quarter worth of walking, so I was expecting to be home by around half four. I walked along the weird concrete bit just above the beach, not sure what it's called, and I stopped after about half an hour of walking. As there's a public toilet, which is kind of run down but also open 24 hours and I was desperate. I was expecting it to be empty, or just have a homeless dude sleeping in it, but I was wrong. There was a guy using the urinal. This guy looked to be in his mid to late 50s maybe, a little on the overweight side but not extremely. He had grey, messy-ish hair. But other than that, he looked pretty normal. He definitely didn't look homeless. I remember he made a quick joke about something, but I don't remember what. I politely laughed, did my business, and left. After about another 15 minutes of walking, the weather had gotten pretty bad. started to rain, and rain really heavy, and the wind was picking up. 
I seem to remember this was around November, so it was pretty cold. Anyway, so I'm walking and a car drives by, beeps, and pulls over just in front of me. I had assumed it was someone I knew, but couldn't think of who. Got to the car and the dude from the toilet was inside. He asked me where I was headed and I told him. He said that was a long walk and I couldn't be expected to walk all that way in this weather, and he offered me a lift. In hindsight, I probably should have refused, but the weather was bad and at the time he wasn't giving off any weird vibes. The drive took about 15 minutes, I think, maybe 20. The more I was in the car with him, the more I started to get vibes that there was something off about this guy. He was telling me his best friend was a 14-year-old lad who stays over at his place a lot, and they drink together, and if I ever wanted to join, I was welcome. He was asking me some really invasive questions as well. I don't fully remember what they were. I just remember it's not the kind of questions you would ask someone that you're just giving a simple ride home to. Anyways, we got to the street around the corner from my place, and I asked him just to drop me off there. I told him my house wasn't accessible by road, that I would walk the rest of the way. He gave me his number and told me to ring him when I got back to my house safely, as he wanted to make sure I got home okay. I asked him what his name was. At this point, he knew my full name, and he just said, Pete. I said, Pete what? My phone wants a surname. He wouldn't tell me. He just kept saying, Just call me Pete. I later found out that Pete was a fake name too. I got into my house and texted him, just to let him know I was home safe. Probably a bad decision, but back then I was full of bad decisions, to be honest. The next day came and I was expecting everything to go back to normal. It didn't, because I stupidly gave Pete my number when I texted him. I started to get texts from him every morning, basically just saying good morning to me and wishing me well. I replied to the first few and then started ignoring them. He then started trying to ring me. Every single evening. I would ignore most of his calls, but he would often repeatedly ring until I answered. He was sending me these texts, inviting me over to his house for some drinks. He kept telling me he had just gotten himself a pool table and wanted me to come and play it with him. He was telling me a story of a friend he was playing pool with, the 14-year-old I was talking about and accidentally let slip that the guy called him John. I collared him about this and said, I thought your name was Pete. He said, Oh no, my friend's name is John. And I said, you just said that your friend called you John, and you told me that your friend was called Tom. He says, Oh, well, some people call me John, it's like a nickname. But his name is John too. He hesitated saying this and I kind of clicked that he was telling me a bunch of lies. I kept refusing but he kept asking. For a while my mom wanted to know who this dude was that kept texting me and ringing me. I told her and she rang him herself from her phone and told him that if he carried on texting and ringing me, 
she would be calling the police. I did not get any more texts from him after that, but it didn't end there. I had a routine, you see, and he knew it. I always walked my dog at half four every afternoon and played with her for about 40 minutes at the end of my street in a field just near where he had dropped me off. I started to notice his car pulling up there within five minutes of me getting there with my dog. He had tinted windows, but I would always notice the car lights were always left on, and the engine was always running. Also, I recognized his car. I would occasionally notice the car door open and a large flash from that direction as if someone was taking photos. I started changing the time I walked my dog but he would eventually figure it out and start showing up either earlier or later to coincide when I was walking with her. This went on for months and I never mentioned it to anyone, but one day it just stopped. He stopped pulling up at the side of the field. I never saw his car anymore. No text messages or phone calls from him. It all just stopped. I ended up getting a new phone about a year after that and had that one for another two years. I dug out my old phone when I was around 18 or 19, after the dog mentioned earlier passed away. I had some old pictures and videos of her on that phone, and wanted to transfer them over to my PC so that I always had them. I turned on a phone which had been turned off for several years now, and still had the old SIM in it. That's when I got my final message from Pete. It was an odd one, and it was about 14 months old. It said something along the lines of, Hi, I know we haven't spoken in a while, but I just thought you should know that over New Year's I was diagnosed with an illness, and I've been told I don't have long to live. You were a good friend to me in the short time we knew each other. I live at... 123 Road Street and would really appreciate it if you would come around just so I can have a last chat with you. I've got some beers and if it gets too late you can stay tonight. Just drop me a phone call when you want to come around so that I can get everything ready for you. See you soon. I have no idea if Pete or John was genuinely ill or just trying to lure me to his house. I've never been to the address he sent me, and never responded to him, or heard from him since. I didn't reply to him and that was the last time I heard from the guy. So, yeah. It may not sound crazy terrifying, but it had a very big impact on me during those years. So, Pete slash John or whoever you were. Let's never meet again. I'm a 21-year-old female, and this happened to me about six years ago, when I was around 15 years old. I live in a relatively small town where everyone knows everyone. For reference, there were about 120 kids in my graduating class in high school. The town is so small that there's not a lot of ground to cover, 
So it wasn't unusual for parents to let their teenagers wander around outside with their friends. My friend from a different town had come over to my house because we were going to see my school's musical later that night. We decided to go wander around outside until it was time to go. She was from a different town, so she was unfamiliar with the area. I suggested we go down to my local train tracks because there's this cool cliff slash overpass type thing where you can sit and watch the river. I had been to the train tracks with my friends many times before, and people my age used to hang out there all the time. This was sometime in early March, so it was still quite cold where I lived. Even though it was chilly, I remember distinctly that I wore flip-flops for some reason, which is important for later. The train tracks intersected a street in my town which was quite close to my house, so this is where we entered the tracks. We were walking and spotted a middle-aged man who was alone and on the phone. We thought nothing of it and kept walking. We made it to the overpass and were sitting there just hanging out when we noticed the man had passed earlier and was slowly inching closer and closer. We both noticed but decided not to panic since it's possible he was just slowly making his way down the tracks. Maybe five minutes had passed and the man was getting increasingly closer and closer to us. At this point, we notice that he is getting closer to us at an alarming rate. He's not continuously in motion. It's more like we notice him standing still doing whatever. And then a minute later, he's standing even closer to us than he was prior. Now, he's close enough where we can clearly make him out. He's within an earshot and could easily get to us if that was his goal. My friend and I are starting to get nervous. We're two teenage girls in the middle of, essentially, the woods, with no one around us other than this creepy man. I've watched a lot of investigation discovery in my day, so I think it's best to just try to promptly make my way out of there without creating chaos. I decide it would be a good idea to pull out my phone and pretend to talk to my mother as we begin walking back to the main road. My friend and I are calmly walking down the tracks while I have the phone up to my ear. I'm saying things like, Yeah, we're at the tracks and we're on our way home. Just making stuff up so this guy thinks my mom is aware of my exact location. There's a point where we have to walk directly past the man in order to get to our destination. It's at this point where he opens his mouth and says clear as day, I know you're not on the phone. At that point, my fight or flight kicks in and I'm terrified. Up until this moment, the creepy man had not directly said or done anything to make us think he was a direct threat. The situation was uncomfortable enough that my friend and I thought we better head out. When the man said these words to me, I quickly realized that the perceived threat was both real and dangerous. As soon as my brain registered what he said, my friend and I both ran for our lives. I was never one to enjoy physical activity, let alone running, but I could have won an Olympic medal that day. I ran so fast that my flip-flop broke and I ended up running barefoot in the gravel that lined the tracks. I was so scared that if I looked back, I would see him running after me, so I just didn't. 
When I finally began running out of steam, I quickly looked back and saw the man standing right where we had left him. He did not run after us, but I couldn't shake the fear of turning around and seeing him chase me. When we finally made it to the main road, I quickly called my mom and told her what happened. She was conveniently driving down the exact road we were on and pulled up about two minutes later and took us home. My friend and I had never been so scared in our lives. I haven't been to those train tracks since, and to this day I still think about the man who knew I wasn't on the phone and what his intentions were that day. This story reminded me of the still unsolved Delphi murders. Quite the close call. I live in a pretty rough neighborhood. I have four other housemates, but they are all away for the festive season. We're all students. At Christmas, I was gifted one of those ring doorbells that has a camera. I attached it to the frame outside my door, which looks towards an old pub. A couple of days went by and then the postman rang the doorbell, which was pleasant. It worked great. However, a couple of days later, on my way back from work, I noticed that the ring bell had been stolen. I hadn't even thought about this. Of course, it had been stolen. I was annoyed, but I wasn't surprised. This is where it gets creepy, though. Last night, the doorbell rang through my phone. It was very late, and I was still alone in the house. The screen was dark, and it was just an image of the house. The person that stole it was sitting outside, filming my house with my own ring doorbell. I was shaken. The area is rough, and I have been assaulted and robbed once before. The image quickly turned black as if the culprit had placed the doorbell back in their pocket. I peered out the curtain at around where I thought the person had been filming the house from. But no one was there. When I was a junior in college, I went camping with four friends in Bald Eagle State Park in Pennsylvania. We had a reserved campsite that was pretty remote, pretty deep in the park, way up on one of the mountains, not near any of the other campsites. It was located at the end of a narrow dirt road, maybe about 75 feet long, which itself broke off from the main road, which I think was also dirt. There was nothing at the end of the little road but our campsite. We parked at the entrance to the park and spent the day hiking up to the site, setting up camp and then hiking around. We made a fire, made dinner, and turned in. Not long afterwards, we discovered that one of the guys with us snored. Loudly. Like walls of the tent shaking snores. Truly deafening stuff. After probably half an hour or so, the rest of us gave up on trying to sleep and climbed out of our tents, leaving our loud friend snoring away in his. My friend at the time was a DJ for our school's radio station. 
and she had a late night show. I think it was between midnight and 2 a.m. Since we couldn't sleep, we trekked up the main road where the reception was better and where we would actually be able to hear the radio over the snores. When we got to the road, we stood in a loose circle near the entrance to our site. As we stood there, a black pickup truck with its lights off appeared out of the woods and passed us, very slowly. It was unmarked, not a ranger. After that, we listened to the radio for maybe another half hour or 45 minutes, and then briefly called in to say hi. Finally, though, we decided to head back to bed. One of the girls went off into the woods to take care of some things while I climbed back into the tent I shared with her and got into my sleeping bag. After a couple of minutes, I heard her moving through the leaves towards the tent, coming from my right. At the same time, I also heard the unmistakable rumble of tires on the ground. I stood up and looked out the little screen window of the tent. We had not bothered to put up the rain fly as it was perfectly clear that night with a very bright moon, so I could see everything. I saw my friend come sprinting back to the tent and duck behind it as the black truck pulls into our campsite, still with its headlights off, and then shuts off its engine and sits there. Our friend is still snoring. I have a little knife in my tent and I know my other two friends have at least one in theirs, but we have no other weapons, no guns, or bear spray, so we just watch. As I said, it's a clear night and I can see the truck just fine. It's maybe 20 feet from my tent, but I can't see who's in the truck or how many people there are. Nothing seems to move inside the truck. I still remember the metallic clunk sounds as the engine cools off. I honestly have no idea how long I just watched it. My friend had ducked down behind our tent and I could hear her breathing that she was terrified, but neither of us said a word. It feels like a really long time went by. It had to be at least 10 minutes, but it could have been half an hour or more. We just kept waiting for something to happen. Nothing ever did. Eventually the truck started up again, and then backed up down the long, narrow dirt road. It never turned its headlights on. I heard it drive back in the direction it had originally come from, and that was it. My friend burst into the tent a second later. Now we're all talking. Did you see that? But our friend is still asleep. Eventually, we just went to bed. We packed up and headed out in the morning as we had planned. And yes, we checked with the park and they do not own any black, unmarked SUVs. Nor did any ranger come to check on our site that night. This happened to me last summer. I was staying at my girlfriend's parents' house in a medium, small Swedish town. We were playing games with her two brothers. I think it was during our attempts to slay Moon Lord in Terraria. But I digress. Her older brother, who lived alone in an apartment further down into the center of town, 
had left a while ago and we were still sitting around watching videos and stuff on the internet. We had left some windows open to let some air in. And through one of the living room windows, we heard loud screams of someone clearly in some kind of distress. It was a male voice and it was definitely filled with panic. So, being how I am, I put on shoes, grabbed a steel shoehorn, and went outside. The house had a small graveled yard with fences all around. A lot of houses next to it, along with the town's junior high. Right outside the entryway to the yard, down to the left, as seen from the house, there was a dirt path down a hill through a tiny brush forest, ending at a road passing the town's high school the road being lit with a single light post just before the forest. I rushed to the entryway, started walking down the path only to notice rustling in the brush. A man clad in jeans, a black puffed jacket and a baseball cap comes out onto the path, turns towards me, looks straight at me between the eyes and started up a quick stride straight towards me. As he was doing so, he took his hands out of his pockets, pulled down the zipper of his jacket, put one hand inside and grabbed something. First thought that came to mind was that this was the man making the screams, trying to lure someone out of their home in the middle of the night. There was not one other living soul in sight. I kind of freaked out, but also was contemplating to just juggernaut him and smack him down, since he was not far away and I weigh in at about 140 kg. Eventually, after a split second of thoughts, I turned and rushed back into the house. The lights were already off inside, so I stood inside by a staircase and peeked out of a window. I saw the man coming up by the entryway, looking around and slowly sneaking into our yard. Then suddenly, some other people popped up further away down the road between the house and the school. They shouted something and the man stopped turned, went towards them, and disappeared. I sighed out of relief and a shot of fear hit me right in the face as I just then realized I didn't lock the freaking door. Had that man continued on, he'd be able to get inside, leaving us at his mercy Would he have had a knife or a gun especially. So, you know, weird scream fisher man, let's not meet again. lived in Japan for around 10 months a couple of years back as a part of a study abroad program as my placement year for a university. I lived in Hiroshima and pretty much every Japanese person I met was exactly how you would expect them, generous and respectful. All except this one old lady who just so happened to live in the apartment next to me. It was about a month after I'd been in Japan, originally from Northern Ireland. So it was quite an adjustment to make. When our group of gaijins decided we were going to go to the Saijo Sake Festival. For those who don't know, this is a huge sake, aka rice wine, 
drinking festival that, from what I now understand, everyone goes to and gets extremely drunk at. As men of fine taste and culture, we sampled many different kinds of sake from all over Japan and got rode off beyond belief. Then we all got on the train back home to our apartments. I can't remember crap, apart from calling my girlfriend at the time and passing out on my futon. Normal stuff. Skip to 6am the next morning when my loud as hell doorbell wakes me up. Keep in mind my apartment is extremely small, so the noise is extremely loud. I check the time and I'm confused as anything but assume it's just my friend from downstairs who wants to talk about last night. I look through the peephole in my door and I see a police officer standing there. First thought that goes through my mind is, Taylor, what the hell have you done when you were drunk last night? But at the same time, I was so sure I just fell asleep right away. I talk to the dude using a translation app and he basically tells me there's been a noise complaint. Strange, considering the fact all I did was make a phone call and fall asleep. Anyway, the guy sees how confused I am and just kinda sees there must have been a mistake and leaves. I'm honestly still drunk and just super confused, but the day carries on as normal. The next morning at 6am, the doorbell rings. I already kind of assumed what it was going to be this time. And what do I see through the peephole? Two police officers. Same conversation goes down and I convince them that there's been no noise. I literally walk them into my apartment to show them how I fell asleep watching Netflix. They tell me at this point it's the neighbor, who I've never met, who's making the complaints. At this point I think she's just being a jerk or maybe racist. I asked the guy at my university who takes care of all the foreign students about this, and he tells me that I'm getting moved apartments to a room on the floor below. I'm pretty angry because I just settled into my new space, but whatever. He plans on coming tomorrow morning with the landlord to move my crap out and check out that my new room is okay. Ever get it when you get woken up by something in the middle of the night and it really messes with you? I went to sleep on good time that night, in prep for the people helping move my stuff out. So naturally, at 3am I'm fast asleep, then suddenly… My doorbell is just constantly ringing. It's freaking deafening and of course has woken me up straight away. I can't even begin to tell you how scared I was. Couldn't even move. Didn't want to. After about a minute of what felt like an incessant noise, complete silence. I make my way over to the front door to look through the peephole and I see nothing. But I just know it's this psycho, freaking crazy neighbor. Nothing else happens that night and I eventually go back to sleep. I wake up the next morning still kind of shaken, but it's cool because my boys are coming around soon. I keep walking around the front to check if they're downstairs and quickly close my door behind me, because I don't know what this woman will try if she sees me. I walk into my room, and the sliding door to my balcony is open, and there I see her for the first time. 
She literally wrapped her freaking body around the fence that separates our balconies while still keeping her footing on her side and is just staring right at me. We stare at each other for a second and then she quickly whips back around onto her side. Literally two seconds later my doorbell rings and I'm just like, no, that's not possible, this is some demon shit, I'm so fucked. Thank god it turns out to be the people to help me move my stuff and I tell them what's up and hastily move downstairs to my new room. Outside of her turning up at my new room once and asking if the police had come there, I was able to avoid her from then out. I guess the police decided to start ignoring her calls. So, crazy old lady, let's never meet again. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe, and until next time. Sweet dreams.